everybody. I'm Jay. He's Maddie. This is Yankee and the Brit Sports Talk. Today, we're going to talk some football. And first, Maddie, let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones valuing the Cowboys at $10 billion. What do you think the Jones family has, though? Because there's this thing in the U.S. called the inheritance tax, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is going to kill Mark Davis. When Mark Davis's mom dies, I'm not sure what's going to happen because the inheritance tax is... So when Jerry dies and passes this on to Stephen, and let's say they value, just for the point of argument, the Cowboys at $10 billion, Jerry or Stephen Jones has to give the U.S. government $5 billion in tax. Yeah, but also, if, he hands, if Jerry Jones hands it over to Stephen Jones before he dies... Doesn't matter. Stephen Jones buys it off Jerry Jones for $1 billion. Okay, well, that would be something, but yes. Which is what Um, they do. That's what they do. They'd buy, they'd make sure that Stephen Jones buys off Jerry Jones for like next to nothing when we're talking about American football, like just enough to make it a bit less shady, but not enough for it to actually do anything. And it's all of their money anyway. And Stephen Jones just buys all of his businesses from him. Do you think they are worth $10 billion? Yeah, they can make $10 billion. The Dallas Cowboys can make $10 billion pre Well, it's, it's relative to whatever somebody's willing to pay for something is what it's worth, correct? Yeah. So what does a person with endless amounts of money willing to spend to own an NFL team, let alone one of the ones who are marketed better than a lot of them, right? So um, – I don't know. I think I think you could get ten billion dollars for him from the right investor. With like, they could get more. I, like, I think the Dallas Cowboys are worth ten billion. And then I do know that the, the only where it comes in weird is that I think the NFL makes you have to have fifty percent of it liquid cash, right? So mm. to buy it. So who has five billion in liquid cash? Which is really weird to me because they're just arbitrary numbers on a computer. If you really get into <laughs> what money is nowadays. But what would Jeff Bezos, if he really wanted to own a team? I don't know if he would. Um, what would he pay? What What would Gary pay for a team, right? You know, like there's a guys out there who would pay a ton of money for a team. So they're worth whatever they're people, somebody willing to spend on them. Yeah, I, I love those Jeff Bezos rumors linking them to the, uh, to the Washington Commanders. I think that's a perfect... And that's a perfect place to start if Jeff Bezos really does want a football team. Look, it's it's ten billion, and you're not gonna. It's when you're gonna make your money back. So how much money do you have to plow into an American football team? How much money are you making every year? And the Dallas Cowboys do make money every year. It's not like when if you buy a soccer team or like if you buy Man United, if you buy Liverpool, if you buy especially Chelsea. A lot of the times, you're not really making loads of money on that until you sell it on again. So if you've been successful and you've built up the club, but the club actually drains you of funds. Like a lot of these Premier League clubs are in a ridiculous amount of debt. So it's not until you sell it do you actually make it back. But with the way that American football's run, with salary caps and the amount of money that you make from TV deals and those kind of things... The Dallas Cowboys can make back five billion pretty, pretty quickly. 
pretty quick. So, and then, but see, for me, I think a lot of the guys who are buying these teams, like, cause they're saying the Broncos going to start at a minimum of 5 billion for the, for, for the bids and whatever, but okay. So you're selling the Cowboys, somebody like Gary V wants it or somebody. Gary like, V's New York Jets for him through. That's the only team he wants. Yeah, I think you give him the. I think that, that they'd let him in the NFL. He'd jump in, but that's just me. And then, um, but if you're one of like, so the guy, I forget his name, but one of the Walton family, Sam's Club, Walmart, yeah. his family, um, is bidding on uh, the Broncos. But if he doesn't get it, I think I read somewhere where this dude's worth like $180 billion, right? Like, so does he give a shit if he makes his money back? There's probably some of those people who just want the team and have so much money. Yeah, yeah. They don't even care if they make their money back. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like the owner, the old owner of Chelsea, Roman Abramovich was like Vladimir Putin's right hand man. And he used to just, he just bought Chelsea and just went, he, he basically went, I'm not going to make any money on Chelsea football club. I'm just, I want to win trophies. This is my like, baby and I just want to plow money into it but the, the the thing is with that Jerry Jones has made a shit ton of money from owning the Dallas Cowboys that like Jer right. Jerry Jones has but turned Jerry the Jones Dallas Cowboys for 176 million yeah yeah exactly I I think the Dallas Cowboys are a a different a different buy to a lot of teams because of the amount of money they're, they're the most valuable uh sports team on the planet I think the amount of money you're able to make from the Dallas Cowboys but I think the type of owner that every fan wants is the owner that has a ridiculous amount of money, so much money that it doesn't matter to them what they spend on this football team. Like Cincinnati's owners aren't like that. You want no Carolina has an owner like that, but he seems way yeah. too impatient. But okay, yeah, he's yeah he's different. But the, like Cincinnati's owners aren't like that. They give too much of a shit about the bottom line and those kind of things. You don't well, want no, like. That. There's fan bases like you and I cannot complain about what our owners are willing to spend. Yep. Cincinnati, now they can complain, right? You know what I mean? Buffalo's got a little bit of a complaint on what their owner was willing to spend, but he seems to have got bit better. You know, um, there's owners that'll pay anything to win. And then there's owners who are worried about the bottom line. I don't think, I don't think Mr. Kraft over in New England really cares about what it cost him to win Super Bowls. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Whereas the Glazers at Tampa, they do give a shit about how much it costs them to win Premier League titles and Super Bowls. So it's it's like, yeah. The Cowboys are worth... I'd, I'd say the Cowboys are definitely worth $10 billion. You can make $10 billion back from owning the Cowboys, I would say. Jerry Jones isn't ever going to sell the Cowboys until he's legitimately on his deathbed and he sells it to Stephen for next to no money to avoid inheritance tax. Yeah, they're cracking down on that too. That he might, if they don't do it soon, he might not be able to get around it. <laughs> so this is not a shot at Maddie, and everybody who I play this clip is gonna think it's a shot at Maddie. But remember, he's British, so this is definitely not a shot at him. <laughs> but I keep going round and round, and there's this, there's this myth about a sports writer in Denver or in Dallas deeming the Dallas Cowboys America's team that is not where it came from. It 
started in 1976. It was first offered to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I can quit being arguing with people. Just watch our boy Dave Wanstead talk a little. When I was the defense coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, we were just getting it going. And Coach Noel, the coach of the Steelers, retired. I was one of the guys that they called in to talk to about the job. I'm going in there and I'm talking about America's team and the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> and Dan Rooney, you know, who, who was interviewing me, he said, Stop right there. He says, let me tell you a little story about America's team. He said, in 1976, us Steelers, we beat the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowl X. And my dad, the chief, as they called him, Pete Rosell was the commissioner. He calls up my dad and says, we're making our highlight tape. We want to name the Steelers America's team. That wants, that's going to be our caption. He says, the chief, he always had a cigar. He said he took a puff of that cigar and he said, Pete, let me tell you something. We are not America's team. We are the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> oh, Tech Schramm took that from Dallas and ran with it ever since. I am not shitting on the Cowboys fans. Call yourselves the Americans team. Just quit arguing about where it came from. That's my whole argument in this whole thing. It drives <laughs> me insane. And yes, they got a huge fan base, so that's not even me shitting on them. I'm just sick of being in the same argument, so I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, and I mean, they are now America's team, but... I knew that story as well. Like about that, I've seen that. I've seen clips around that and things like that. Um, America's team always makes me and my dad. My dad's the person who first started supporting the Cowboys. Um, uh, they won their last championship before I was born, so I, he was the glory supporter. And then I'm doing it for the family because I've never seen them go to an NFC Championship game. Uh, but. The America's team makes us feel like dead uncomfortable. And then he supports Man United as well, who are like the most worldwide thing. But we're not like that. It's so strange. But um, yeah, they, they are America's team now. They're the most valuable team in the entire world. And they do have the biggest fan base around the world. And that's what makes them America's team. Um, Colin Cowherd was in that clip looking ridiculously young, which was very strange. He somehow looked older and younger at the same time in that clip. I'm going to be honest weird. with you. I have not seen Colin Colin Cowherd speak in over a year, maybe two. Not a clip. If he's <laughs> on it, I turn it off. I can't stand him. He got so ridiculous during the pandemic on his stance about Tom Brady's finished, Aaron Rodgers sucks. Like, I couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, you become so ridiculous, I can't watch you. <laughs> And he like banged it. the table with Sam Darnold for two years. <laughs> I like to see how the other half think, you know. I like to see the extremes of every side. I'm like Chris Sims, PFF on one side, and then Colin Cowherd, Skip Bayless on the other. That's why. I can't give him Stephen A anymore. Like, I don't mind Shannon Sharp that much, but like, I can't. I, I'm over the arguing. You know what I mean? I'm over the yeah. arguing TV. Give me yeah. NFL Live and stuff. Like, give me yeah. – I'm not even a Florio fan, but give me Florio and Sims. Give me Peter King. I don't want arguing. Yeah. Like NBC have got it right on that kind of thing. I think, like, Nick Wright and Chris Broussard, and, like, at least they're going at it kind of bantering as friends. They're not, like, just smashing each other's points. I don't mind needlessly, right. Yeah, like, they're needlessly – disagreeing with each other like when Luka Doncic came out and beat the uh uh oh it's basketball not my wheelhouse I like the Mavs I like Luka Doncic but who did they just beat the Heat 
No, uh, the Suns, the the Suns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Luka Doncic oh, and yeah, the Mavs just beat the Suns. Yeah, yeah. The Heat yeah. just. Uh, yeah. Um, when he came out, uh, Nick Wright was saying, "Do you admit that I was right? Do you admit that I was right?" And Chris Broussard was just like, "Yeah, I admit it. You were right." But like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp just have these disagreements over Tom Brady. And they just continue to disagree because that's the only way that they get viewers. I fucking hate that. You'll notice that me and Jay are a lot more collaborative than uh, than other talking. Well, yeah, because you reminded me that's the same series where Little Wayne said Luca's a hoe. <laughs> Luca Donich is class, and anybody who says any different is just wrong. I love Luca Donich. I enjoy watching him play. I think he's a monster. So yeah. All right, Maddie. We're gonna to get to some grading at some point here in the off season before it comes of the draft. Um, I've been watching a lot of the behind the scenes videos from mm-hmm. every team I can find on YouTube, not just the Vikings. And I will say, Vikings fans, you will hear some irritation from me about the trades, and it's not the trade in general; it's who we traded with. But I will say, all, go watch these behind the scene things. At almost everyone I've watched, every draft room was saying the sweet spot of the draft was between pick 30 and 80. So if your team's made some moves, it might, and went back, maybe you won't be as upset if you go listen to the rationale on why a lot of these teams thought the biggest value for the meet in the draft was picks 30 through 80. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just, there was very few standout players. Like there wasn't a, Micah Parsons, who we're going to go on to. There wasn't a Trevor Lawrence. There's not that there wasn't those guys that are just absolutely standout players. So the best place to take them, if you can get loads of picks, is at the end of the first, start of the second, every single time, because you're not then hit with the hype. However, if you are able to make a move and take the best players in the draft. This would be a perfect time. That would be a perfect time to do it, just to be able to take those take those best players in the draft. And I think the teams that really won this year were the teams that traded back, but were also the teams who traded for premier players and then were able to wait wait till round the third round and stuff and take like running backs that are definitely going to start or guards that well, we'll are definitely going to start. We'll get to the yeah. Bills and how I'm impressed with their running back pick, how they they got um, Cook where they got him. Now, we won't get into it right now, how he's not his brother, but he does a lot of really, really 80%. good things. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and like you have the Rams, you pick a 30, who just fill out their roster with like low-value positions, but the best players at those low-value positions. And you have... The Raiders had a pretty good draft as well. Like, if you look at the actual picks they made where you pick them, even though they didn't have a first round or a second round pick, you know I'm a fuck those picks kind of guy and then just fill up your uh, Well, up your draft. and we'll give you a couple teams who had a good draft, even though the talking heads say they didn't, For and we'll give you our reasons. Maddie, we are going to talk about PFFs, top players under 25. But before we do that, here's a quick word from the Yankee and the Brit. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Jay from Yankee and the Brit telling you to come over and check out our shows. The Yankee and the Brit Sports Talk, Well Beyond the Arc, The Markout Podcast, Flagrant and Foul, 
Real Talk with Jay, and MMA Underground Weekly at YouTube backslash The Yankee and the Brit. Deuces. And feel free to go check out the new flagrant and foul. We re just reviewed Ozark, and we went so off track, but we got back on it by the end of the show. <laughs> so it was a good time. You had to check that out. That doesn't out. sound like you guys. Yeah, and, and that's what happens when you put two guys who have known each other since fifth grade on a podcast <laughs> together, and then we get so in left field. But, um, Maddie, I'm just going to say we could argue, oh, he should be – 12th and he should be 11th right or that kind of stuff that's not what i'm looking at i was looking at egregious shit that i was like really and, and they start with trayvon Diggs at 25 and kyle pitts at 24 i know they're big names and they both balled out i don't have a huge problem with it could we argue higher or lower sure but like i would probably go a little higher but i'm not going to argue these two at where they're at yeah i i think trayvon Diggs. I, I would personally have Trayvon Diggs higher and Kyle Pitts. I'm very high on both of them at the start of, uh, at the, start of the season. I think Kyle Pitts is going to have a breakout year. Trayvon Diggs needs to show that he can cover as well as intercept. So I'm not too bothered about them having him 25. I know that PFF are quite low on Trayvon Diggs because of the fact that he gets burnt so often, gave up the most yards in the NFL. Um, that was just my argument is it, that he gets burned too much sometimes, but yeah. he's going to get better. So that's like, because that he's taking risks. That. That's because he's under 25 and hasn't played enough games, though. That's a different – like. <laughs> I think awesome. Kyle Pitts might have a regression year with their quarterbacks in Atlanta, but that's just me. Yeah, I think Kyle Pitts will have a breakout year, but that doesn't mean he's going to get as many yards as he did this year because of his – quarterback situation but Marcus Mario loves throwing to the tight ends so depends it depends if they're gonna play Ridder or not hopefully not they'll play Marcus Mario well 23 is where I have the first big problem of this whole list and how the hell is Devin White at 23 this guy is a monster and I can go through this list and name a bunch of guys I would put him in front of so this is my first problem with that I think Devin White is way too low yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what they're doing with the defensive players in a lot of this um, in a lot of this draft. Like, I love PFF. I love what they do. And uh, when you read through when you read through the reasons that they that they give and that kind of stuff, it's very understandable. And I think what's happened here is they've lowballed the linebacker position, which to me is an absolute crime. Uh, because the linebackers are some of the, the, the hearts of the defense for me. But Devin White's an awesome, awesome player. He holds a Super Bowl winning defense together a lot of the time. Like he's really he's really that guy who holds them together. And yeah, I I love Devin White. I, I don't know why he's that low either. Hey, Maddie, just a little teaser, then you're gonna love one of the Vikings picks because he'll slightly remind you of a guy you really like at linebacker. <laughs> yeah. I get they're doing that with the linebackers, but like Devin white is a pass rusher too. You know what I mean? He's not just some like exactly fill some exactly. That's, linebacker. That's and if you've got a 72.5 rusher grade, like what are we even talking about? Because you have 
Quinton Williams right above him, but Quinton Williams had two and a half sacks in his first season. Like, is this really what we're that I, just right there? I have the problem. How is Quinton? And it, it's got to be what you said about linebacker because how is Quinton Williams, who has the potential to be great, but is not on a great team right now, hasn't really shined, going to be against a guy who balled out and helped them get to a Super Bowl? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, for, from listening to the PFF podcast, a lot of what they say is there's a difference, not in their grading system, but in the way that they personally perceive pass rushing if you're blitzing to if your hands in the ground. And they say the hands in the ground allows the blitz, but I'd say Devon White can go toe-to-toe with most offensive linemen. So I'm I'm not entirely... I'm not entirely sure about that. Like I understand why they've done it, but I love linebackers, so I'd grade all the linebackers higher. So a little. Did you, did you have <laughs> got a real issue with some linebacker placements in this? You okay with Quentin Williams at 22? Like yeah. I don't have a problem with him at 22. I just have a problem with um, that they have Devin White behind him. Yeah, Quentin Williams could show us more, but he's also on the Jets, so I'm not going to rail him too much for that. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure about Trevor Lawrence at 21. I take really like, it's it's the position, right? Because if you yeah. ask me who played better so far, Devin White or Trayvon Diggs, Lawrence, it's like, but it's that Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback. We've all seen what he could do in college. And I think if you don't see, I, I think we're going to see the best of him with, uh, Doug Peterson and the coaching staff he has now. And I think he was a victim of the whole Urban Meyer thing in Duval. Yeah, I'm not saying that he I'm not saying that he's shit. He just hasn't really shown us anything. I so agree. is this is this based on if it's based on potential, then then great. Yeah, yeah. Tre, Trevor Lawrence, awesome. Have him higher if it's based on potential. But I think what they've done is got weird mix between potential and what they're doing right now. And Trevor Lawrence, he didn't show us anything that showed us he was going to be particularly good. It wasn't like Joe Burrow's first season where the Bengals were still terrible before they mildly fixed that offensive line, but you could see that Joe Burrow had it. Like Trevor Lawrence just didn't look like he had anything. And I'm not like, but I'm expecting a second year jump from Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence didn't perform anywhere near the best out of any of the quarterbacks in his draft class is the main issue that I have. Well, I don't disagree with you. I think they just did it because of the position he plays. I think that had a lot to do with it too, with their, what they think he will be. I agree with that. Yeah, It's what they think he will be, but Mac Jones isn't on here. Who had a better season than him. Um, who are the other quarterbacks in his draft card? I suppose Justin Fields had a very similar issue. Trey Lance didn't play, so it Davis. would just be Mac Jones. Davis Mills. Davis Mills had a better season than Trevor Lawrence. So I don't I think you could I don't think you could put Davis Mills on here, but yeah. <laughs> well, at 20, I have another problem with Patrick Satan being at 20. And I think he's too low. I think he should be higher than 20. I think Way he was higher. one of the best young corners in the NFL right now. Yeah, he's better than Anton Winfield, who's higher than him. Well, Creed Humphrey's awesome, but he's a center. Brian Burns, he's better than him. You uh, know I'm a Dean Higgins fan, right? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. Like, yeah. I think he's shown. Who would you rather have if you're on the field? 
Would you rather have T. Higgins as your wide receiver, or would you? Well, who would you bet on, T. Higgins as a wide receiver or Patrick Sertan on one play to win that battle? I'm taking Patrick Sertan. Yeah, and the highest corner in the draft is um, the highest corner in this is AJ Terrell of the Atlanta Falcons. Patrick would Sertan you- is better than AJ Terrell. Mm, I don't know. I like AJ. I really yeah, do. I, I, I like them both. If you had both of them on the same team, but Patrick Satan has had one year in the NFL and he's better. That he's better. Well, see, he, that's why I don't agree that he's better yet. I think he has the potential. But if you ask exactly, me right so now, which one's to, better? So, so we come back to this bit. This list is a weird amount. Yeah. I like the list. I have very few problems with the list. We're just picking up on the problems that we do have. And it's a weird amalgamation of potential and what they're doing right now. I would rather have Patrick Sertan than DK Metcalf on my team. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'm okay with T. Higgins being in the top 25 of this list. I, I just, I don't know. He's a good receiver, but when it comes to like young top receivers, do you think of him when you think of Chase or CeeDee Lamb or Justin Jefferson? I don't put him in that same category. Yeah, like how much higher is he in terms of tight end than Kyle Pitts? Like yeah, how, how much higher too. is he? Because if it's potential, Kyle Pitts has way more potential yeah. than T. Higgins. We're already at T. Higgins' ceiling, which isn't a bad thing. Like peak years for a lot of players is 24, 25, 26, 27. Like this is where you should be showing your your peak. But I'm just kind of sat here like, ah, right, okay, T. Higgins. I'm not I'm not I'm not so sure he should be in this list. And I'd rather have Patrick Sertan than Anton Winfield. I'd rather have him than AJ Terrell. I'd rather, like, I just think Patrick Sertan is like, stick him on an island. He's the one. Like, he's the best corner in that. He, he was one of the best defensive players coming out of that draft class. And he's only had one year in the NFL. I would say that for me, I think Antoine Winfield should be above him. He's already the leader of that back end. He's calling plays. He's one of the best young safeties in football. But I don't have a problem with it because I'm a big fan of Patrick Sertan too, so I'm not shitting on him in the thing. But um, I'm okay with Winfield at 18. I'd argue him higher, but I'm not mad at 18. Yeah, it then comes to the value of position as well. So if we're we're crucifying linebackers – your defense too, because safeties are less important in some defenses yeah. than others. They're the anchor in some defenses. So it all becomes relative to the, the scheme too. Mm. So it, it is a weird way to do a list. Yeah, it's, it's just, if, if we're crucifying the linebackers, then cornerback should be above safety. And especially with but, PFF, PFF are very firm believers in draft loads of cornerbacks, get loads of edge rushers, and then just the rest of them just fill out. From that, in that so Tampa it, two though, in that Tampa two um, defense, um, safety hugely important. Back like when John Lynch used to play, it's kind of similar. So I get why they give uh, you would give Antonio Winfield more value than a safety on a team. You know what I mean? That plays a different style of defense where the safety is not really as important. Oh no, yeah, I get, I get it. It's just, yeah, I, I think a. A guy, a corner who can lock down one side of the field and has shown that he's able to do that in his first year in the NFL is more valuable than a safety. But Anton Winfield is 
one of the best safeties in the NFL, and he's under 25. Right, so but let, when you play a cover no problem two, with it. that's all I was saying is when you play a cover yeah. two, your corners are less important because you're always playing off and they're always looking at the quarterback. Yeah. Where a man-to-man team, which is what Sertan was playing, is a harder position for corner. So it's, yeah. I just um, think that, like, Sertan could be. I don't know what to feel about C.D. Lamb because – I probably think he should be higher than this, but mm. I'm not going to cry. I just, I mean, some of these guys, they're just not as flashy in names, but it, it's really hard because when you think of these lists, you start to think of these skilled players right away and you're like, well, CeeDee Lamb scores touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, so it's <laughs> hard to like place them in the same category as an offensive lineman or, you know, or a fullback, that kind of stuff. It's, it's weird to rate them. Yeah, C.D. Lamb at 17, I have no problem with. Needs to show more going into his, what's this, his second or third season, third season in the NFL now. Needs to show more. Like, needs to become the number one receiver, especially without Amari Cooper there. Um, I have no problem because he's shown flashes of being Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, but he's also dropped loads of big-time balls doesn't have the same connection with Dak as Amari Cooper did. Just needs to show a little bit more. Doesn't have year. as good of a quarterback as Chase and Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my weekly Shane on Dak moment. All right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Moving <laughs> on. Center Creed Humphreys. He's a good center. I can never argue protecting your quarterback. Center calls the play or calls the adjustments at the line. Very important position. I'm cool with Creed Humphreys at 16. Yeah, center is one of the most underrated positions in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys were the best when they had Travis Fredericks, and Creed Humphrey is possibly the best center in the NFL. Or will be. The potential to be the best center in the NFL. So, Brian Burns at 15? Is Ridiculous. It, I, I just don't get it. Like, I can go back in this list and we can start moving up, um, you know, Sertan and I would even, uh, we can move up Devin white. We can move up Kyle Pitts. You know what I mean? We can move. I would, I would trade Trayvon Diggs over him in a heartbeat. I'd take every single player on this list over Brian Burns. Okay. There you go. And we could name, we could name any, we could name a few. There'll be a few more players that are under 25 before I even think of the name Brian Burns. Yeah, to be on this team, that like, and he's not he bad. He's had some pretty good seasons, but seven and a half sacks, nine sacks, and nine sacks. Like, yeah, not terrible. Good. That's your number. Well, it's not two terrible. Pressure. Yeah, but but why is your number two list... on the top twenty-five? Yeah, on the <laughs> that is a solid, solid second best defensive lineman on the team yes yeah i would love that kind of production on my team it'd be great that's randy gregory for the dallas cowboys last season randy gregory might have had a few more but it's around randy gregory for the dallas cowboys last season and i loved randy gregory it was great brian burns is not the 15th best player under 25 in this league hey that was everson griffin for fucking five or six years in a row for the vikings you love it. You love him. Yeah. But he's still not like going to be on the top 25 list of anything. Yeah, it's like how's it? Mac Jones should be on this top 25 list before Brian Burns. 
There, there are other there, there are loads of other players that we Davis can't Mills should be on this list before Davis, Burns. Davis Mills, yep. I'm trying to think of young receivers, it's receivers that are really getting shafted by this. Because the receivers at the minute under the age of 25 are absolutely incredible. Devontae Smith might have a case to say that he could be above Brian Burns in this list. Uh yeah. Michael Pittman, India uh, Indianapolis Colts. Be above him on this list. Sorry, Carolina fans. I just like it's just solid production. It is brilliantly solid production. Really good. Keep him. He's class. But and he'll be in the NFL him. for the next ten years if he keeps those numbers. Yeah, getting paid good money. Like he's good. Yeah. But fifteenth. He's Jadavion Clowney. Yeah. All right. Rashawn Slater, I'm cool with that 14. I think he is one of the better young offensive tackles in the league. I got no argument. Um, it's hard. Offensive tackles are never going to get slated higher than certain skill position guys. It's just the way it is. I'm good with Slater at 14. Yeah, I would smash Slater up this list. Is uh, Tristan worse 10, 10 picks better than... Rashawn Slater. I'm not. I'm not 100%. I don't, I'm not saying that he's worse. I'm not saying Tristan Verse is worse than Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater's had less time in the league. Tristan Verse has shown it. He's Tom Brady's. Tom Brady's guy. I, I think we could have Rashawn Slater a lot higher than that, but I've no problem with him. There. You think it's because he's got more time in the league, maybe? Yeah, 100%. I think it's because he's shown it more. But I, I would have Rashawn Slater higher. He protects your quarterback. That's, that's all you need to say. <laughs> Chase Young is one of the best edge, young edge rushers in the NFL. I freaking love this guy. His motor is amazing. And I'm cool with him at 13. Yeah, he had a shitty season last season. So I think he would be way higher. If, it, if he kept up his first season, he would be way higher. But he had a shitty season. Yeah, and it's the Baker Mayfield effect. You play through injury and they never give you credit for it. Yeah, that, definitely. But that... If you're out there on the pitch, then you're not injured in my eyes. But I know you are, but in terms right. of your production. But yeah. when you're evaluating a guy, to if you're going to keep him next year or pay him or move on, you got to take that into account, and it doesn't seem like people ever do that. Yeah, 100%. The Washington Commanders have to pay Chase Young. Like, he's class. Oh, yeah. like, he's unbelievable. <laughs> well, terrifying. Number, number 12, he's one of my favorite players in the league, double X. Max Crosby, you got to tell me, Maddie, because I'm kind of a homer on this, so I don't know if I can separate myself. I thought he should have been a little higher. I didn't even know he was under the age of 25. I thought he was way older than 25. I don't, I don't know why. I just saw his name, and I was like, there is no way that Max Crosby is under the age of 25. Uh, he's better than Rashad Gary. Yeah, and I and Rashad Gary's a beast, and I agree with you. He's better than Jeffrey Simmons at number eight. Yeah, okay. So I'm not just being a homer thinking he could be a little higher on this list. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I, I, did, you, did you ever hear the story on how he got his name with the two X's? No, go on. The dude weighed like 11 pounds or some shit when he was born, so his mom put a double X on him. He was so big. Because <laughs> he's maxed out already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's the shining light of the Las Vegas Raiders defensive line. 
And the fact that I thought he was over 25 shows how much of a star I think he is. Well, and, you and I yeah. have said this before. The Vikings do it sometimes. I've seen the Cowboys do it sometimes. The Raiders saw that he was going to be a star and signed him early mm-hmm. to pay him a little less because he's going to take that big money first early instead of letting him get to the end of his contract and getting killed. Brilliant move by the Raiders. Especially when he's had a few injury problems and stuff as well. Like he'll appreciate that money on the table early on. So he's more likely to take less. Um, Rashad Gary, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, probably about right. I think Crosby's better, but 11's about right. I'm not, not That's too it. upset I'm, about that. I'm not going to argue he should be 13 or 9. That's not the kind of argument I'm going to give. Yeah. He's slated right around. He And coming on for Desaria Smith with his injury playing in this defense another year, he might he might shoot up this list and even higher. I think that the Packers are very sold on him. That's why they didn't have a problem letting Zedarius walk away. I think, I think it's going to be good. I think he's probably right now where he should be, but he's probably a better player than where he's even rated. He's just got to show it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still think I'd take Satan over him. I'm I'm in love with Satan. Okay. I think this is around the Satan sweet spot, 9, 10, 11. Just to play devil's advocate, you don't need a good corner if the quarterback's on his back. Yeah, but a good corner makes it a lot easier to put the quarterback on his back. Well, that's it. That's the difference between – if you're getting coverage sacks, you're in trouble anyway, right? So it's <laughs> that good mix. And I think that's what makes the NFL great, though. And I know you can manipulate it, but because of the salary cap, you can't have the best player at every position where the Yankees used to just go out and buy every best baseball player. I think that's what makes the NFL great. Yeah. So football teams, like soccer teams, can just buy whoever they want. But there are so many of them around the world that are so fucking rich that still, it doesn't even itself out as much as the NFL. But it means that no one team can have every best player on the planet. Whereas in baseball, you have what the Red Sox and the Yankees that can just buy everyone. So they're just yeah, there's a couple more teams them. now because of billionaires, but yeah, for the yeah, most part. Yeah, yeah. DK Metcalf has no business being top 10 in this list. And this is one that I went back and forth on, right? Because I'm like, DK is a freaking monster he is so fast he's so strong and he runs way better routes than any of us gave him credit for coming out of college but i I, the more i sit on it i definitely think he's way too high with the quarterbacks who are going to be throwing to him this year and Mm -hmm. his offense didn't help him too much last year so i'm gonna have to agree with you he's probably too high on this list yeah he's he he, i'm not 100 certain of his hands I don't love the amount of separation that he gets. Like I'd, I know he makes those 50-50. He's like Drake London, like when we were talking about the draft, like Drake London turns 50-50 balls into 60-40. Well, <laughs> DK Metcalf turns them into 75-25. Like DK Metcalf's an absolute beast. I don't love the amount of separation that he gets. I don't love his temperament on the sideline. I don't love the toxicity that he seems to bring to his relationship with the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's more of a character problem for me. And he just didn't really show anything 
to say that he has he's able to separate that character from his play because his play was shit. Like, he just wasn't as good. His best play of the past two years that I can remember, the, the play that sticks out for me, is a tackle that he made on an interception. The, the, I'm not like slagging off. I'm not saying he needs to be off the top 25, but maybe in between somewhere like 15 and 20, like maybe a CD Lamb level of pick. Because I think we're also at the peak of DK Metcalf. Like we've seen what he can do. I struggle to see him getting any better. No, I don't disagree with you. I think I think I'm really glad he didn't get traded to the Packers. I think if he was with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, we'd see a different guy. But it's not that Russell Wilson was crap. Part of the reason I think we didn't see the best of him or that whole offense is because Russell Wilson was running for his life all of last mm -hmm. year. But I agree with you. It seems like uh, DK Metcalf has a bad attitude at times, and that really can bleed over to your teammates and on the field. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He gets so, good PFF grades, though. His grades, he's, he gets good grades over 80s, both of the last two seasons. I'm not saying he's like, and I, if he played for the Dallas Cowboys, I'd, I'd absolutely love him to be at the Cowboys. So that'd be a lot of fun to have that kind of player. But I just, because we collect those kind of personality issues in Dallas. Well, I bet you you would never have to worry about Mike McCarthy calling him the player like Bill Parcells did to T.O. But <laughs> number nine, cornerback A.J. Terrell, I'm absolutely fine with. I don't know how old J.C. Jackson is. I know he's over 25. I think he's only like 26, but maybe 27. J.C. Jackson, Jalen Ramsey. Um, why am I blanking on the Packers' young corner? Alexander. Z Alexander, yeah, Zaire Alexander. Um, they're all probably better than him, but this kid is right up in there. He's top five, eight corner in the league. I absolutely love him. I got absolutely no problem with A.J. Terrell at number nine. Yeah, the only problem I have with A.J. Terrell at number nine is that Patrick Sertan's all the way down at whatever number he's at. It's not like I'm not. They should be somewhere near the same, and I think that's a more Patrick Sertan is too low than A.J. Terrell's too high. Um, yeah, top cornerback. Yeah, I mean, did you see his passer rating though? Did you, I mean like the, like the passer rating throwing against him? He only gave up what yeah. two hundred yards or something all season. The dude's a monster. Yeah, passer rating is forty seven point five. He got a coverage yeah. rating of ninety point one. Yeah, just a monster. Pretty mad. Like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, especially on that Atlanta Falcons defense that isn't really doing much either. Like it is impressive. All right, so. Number eight, Jeffrey Simmons kind of caught me off guard. I had to really think about this one. I don't mind him in the top 25. I don't understand him in the top 10. No, when you look at the players that are, when you look at the players that are, like Max Crosby's better than Jeffrey Simmons. They put at his best, he's a top five interior defensive lineman in the NFL. So at his best, he's a top five interior defensive lineman in the NFL. And they've taken him eighth in the. Yeah, because I'd put Gary, I'd put Crosby, I'd put Chase as defense alignment above him. Yeah, 100%. And there's two defend interior defensive linemen who are coming into the league this year that might be better than him. We'll, we'll see how they play. Obviously, you can't have people okay. who haven't played at all on there. But uh, Wyatt and um, Eagles. 
John Davis um, might be better than him already. And they've got him eighth. I've no problem with him in the yeah. top 25. But when you, when you see some of the players that we've gone through, like they're much better than him. Him and Creed Humphreys head-to-head, I'm taking Creed Humphreys too. Creed, hum- Creed Humphreys is amazing. Not getting He's the gonna stuff him at the line. So how is he above Creed Humphreys? Exactly. Humphreys. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Jamar Chase, I got no problem with at number seven. The dude's a beast. You're in the top ten. It's no disrespect to be behind some of the people that you are behind on this list. I know there's a couple, or there's one that one or two he might be arguing who he's behind, but I got no problem. Jamar Chase, I think it's respect to be at number seven, and I think that he get uh, he deserves to be there. Yeah, well, he'll probably argue with Justin Jefferson, won't he? And like I'd say that probably actually, on the I don't same think level. that would be the argument because they were teammates. My argument for him would be: you'd really rather have Tristan Warf over me, and you'd really rather have um, Nick. Well, Bowles the Bengals, the, the Bengals wouldn't rather. <laughs> the um, Bengals definitely wouldn't have Tristan Worse over him. They had the opportunity to take whatever offensive lineman they wanted, and they still took Jamar Chase. <laughs> right. So um, it's the running back at number three. It's Jonathan Taylor, the running back at number three for me where you think in today's NFL, I have no problem with Jonathan Taylor, but in today's NFL, and all PFF talk about is how low value running backs should be. And then they've taken a running back in number three and left. That's because they But Jamar Chase in seven is totally fine. That shows how good Jonathan Taylor is at yeah. that running back position. I have no problem with Taylor at three. Mm-hmm. But I do it against the Jags. Yeah. Did you really just blame the Carson Wentz game on on? Well, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I he had an amazing season, and then he came down to two games at the end of the. Who who was it? Who did they have to beat? The Jags and somebody else. It's not very good either. Well, the Jags was the last game of the season. That was the clown outfit game, right? Yeah, so... yeah. The Jags was the last game of this year. We'll, we'll we'll get on to we'll get on to Jonathan Taylor, but there's just an insight into my. Uh, Jamar Chase is a huge difference maker. Pretty much won me the fantasy football league this year. Um, absolutely awesome player. Easily worth top seven. Could push into that top five if he, if he really wanted him to. Um, Micah Parsons is an absolute slap in the face. At number at six. six. At six. I, I don't think so. I think he's right probably where he should be. Nah, Micah Parsons is better than... Micah Parsons is better than Nick Bosa. Micah Parsons is. I don't know. You got to do it for longer, though, to then say. I have a problem with Bosa being number one, but Bosa's been. Bosa is always injured. Always injured. I'm not sure. I'm. Micah Parsons is the best defensive player under the edge. Right now, as the Cowboys. And you had the choice of Micah Parsons or Jamar Chase. You would pick Parsons over Chase. As the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yes, because Micah Parsons is a difference maker on the end of the ball that we have less talent on. I think you're crazy because you win by putting more points up, but okay. Yeah. So the argument the argument that really sparked this off for me was between Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, right? And Shannon is obviously gonna have to take because they can't agree on anything 
which is stupid because Shannon Sharp no way believes the words that are coming out of his mouth in this argument. But what Shannon Sharp says is because Micah Parsons is more versatile and spends more time in coverage than Nick Bosa, even though Micah Parsons could be better than Nick Bosa rushing the passer, that makes Micah Parsons less valuable because he's more versatile. I agree. Because he's more versatile, he's less no, valuable. No, that's. I think you're missing what he, unless I'm missing it, but what I took that as saying is, until you make this guy pass the rush the passer 90% of the time, you are not maximizing his value, and they are maximizing Nick Bosa's value, and I would rather have a guy rush the passer all the time than if you're that talented, yeah. drop back in coverage. I yeah, think I'm that's not what, and that's where I would see they're not using him correctly. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how that makes Micah Parsons rank lower than Joey Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa, though. That, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's because Sachs you're blaming, you're then blaming, well, you're then blaming how he's in coverage on Micah Parsons rather than the coaching staff. Who well, well it's still the coaching staff's fault, but yeah. Micah Parsons is being screwed because of the way the coaching staff is using him. You get kind of what, like, Oh, no, I get it. But he should be more valuable because he can do more jobs. He is more valuable. Like, he okay, should be rushing 90% of the time. But Nick Bosa isn't going to coverage out of the time. To that defense, sure. But, like, I find it more valuable that Nick Bosa is going to get me 15 sacks. Whereas if you would let Mike make a Parsons go, he'd have way more than 15 sacks. But what did he have, like 10, 11? I'm pretty sure he had more than that. And then Bosa's quarterback pressures. If they were playing the same amount of snaps rushing the passer, I agree that Micah Parsons is way more valuable. But because of the way the uh, Cowboys use him, I would argue that Shannon's right, that Nick Bosa is more valuable. Because sacks mean way more than coverage. Yeah, Micah Parsons has 13 sacks. Right, so he has go the whole time. He's going to have way more, but they don't. Uh, yeah. And I think they devalue him by putting him in coverage. Like they take away his value. And yeah, I, think I, I know. Not on him. I, I understand the point of that, but that doesn't mean that Micah Parsons as a player is less valuable. That means the coaching staff are not taking and not maximizing his value. That's very right, different. Which makes him less valuable things. in the defense. So Micah Parsons' better player would take him in a heartbeat. But I would, but the way they're using him, he's less valuable than than Nick Bosa because they're letting Nick Bosa go after the quarterback. They're not always letting Micah Parsons go after the quarterback. And yeah. there's a million guys in this league who can cover for four seconds. Yeah, I think what we've come to is a disagreement on how we're evaluating the best players under 25. I've got if you can do multiple jobs. It's up to the coaching staff to max out your valuable, but you're you are more valuable than Nick Bosa. Plus, Nick Bosa is always injured. Plus, Micah Parsons only had one season and only okay. got two more, two less. Do you agree? Aaron Donald's the best player in football, defensive player. Yeah. Or just tell me who you think the best defensive player outside of Micah Parsons. No, yeah, yeah, Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. Aaron so now, Donald. if I have Aaron Donald dropping back in coverage 85% of the time, you're going to think he's more valuable than Nick Bosa? 
No, no. Aaron Donald is a better pass rusher than Mika Parsons. Uh, Mika Parsons, though. Whereas Mika Parsons so. is a better pass rusher than Nick Bosa, but can also get into coverage. I think I think Micah Parsons would be a be- the best pass rusher in the NFL if they let him go. And I think that's yeah. where they're they're de- the Cowboys are devaluing his worth by the way they use him. On another team, I think his value skyrockets. I think is the argument of what they're making. I'm not disagreeing completely. I'm just playing a little bit of where I'm seeing the argument is that I almost agree that the Cowboys, the way they use him is less valuable than the way Nick Bosa uses them, which is to your point, it's the coaching, but it still ends up screwing Bosa because you let him go. The guy has 20 sacks. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll work on it this season. I'm sure they'll find a way. It was the, the 49ers game was what really. Don't worry. Sean Payton's going to be your coach next year. Yeah, hopefully. One more year <laughs> of McCarthy year. and it's Sean Payton. I, I vision see that coming. But um the 49ers game is what really shows the issue with how the Dallas Cowboys use Micah Parsons because they had him marking Debo Samuels the entire game. So he doesn't get a QB hit or QB pressure or a sack or anything. Whereas if you just sent him running at Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of times before he can get the ball to Debo, then you know. But I just, I just think he's he's quite a lot better than Nick Bosa, to be perfectly honest. When you take into account Nick Bosa's uh, injuries as well. Well, I agree. As a player, he's better. I was just saying I think the Cowboys do him a disservice about the way they play him. So with Justin Jefferson at number five, I got no problem with this because to me, I've been thinking about this a lot in the offseason. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup – Best receivers in football right now. Devontae Adams is still a beast top five. But I think these young guys surpassed them. And I think the reason Justin Jefferson is above Chase is just he's got another year that he proved that he did multiple years. That is not to take away from what Jamar Chase is doing. I got no problem with Justin Jefferson at number five because, I, like I said, I think he, him, Cooper Cup, and uh, Jamar Chase in no order are the three best receivers in football right now. Yep, can't disagree with that. I just tried to go through wide receivers just there and can't think of many other people above them. DeAndre Hopkins, maybe, but he's been injured. Don't really know what's suspended. Haven't seen them. Yep, suspended and injured. Doesn't make AJ Brown. Okay. Might get into that conversation. But yeah, yeah. Definitely. We're we're in a different level of wide receiver at the minute as well, where wide receiver wins games. Like, and people are like, oh, it's because it's become a more passing league. Yeah, like the rules have changed a little to make it a more passing league. But also, these guys can run 4-2 and it's like six foot odd, like 4-3, six foot odd. What's a cornerback meant to do with that? And the cornerbacks, it's not, they can run 4-4. Four, four. Like it's it's just not, like there's, there's not many guys that have got as good a hands as Justin Jefferson in this league. No, and like these athletic, they can, these guys can run, they can jump. The body control is out of this world. It's because like we were talking about, they've been playing seven on seven since they were seven years mm-hmm. old. They're like playing all year round now. It's amazing. They're the, and they used to throw the best athlete on the team at um, quarterback when you're young. Now mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of these guys are so athletic. You just got amazing athletes all over the field in some of these schools. It's really cool to watch, and the receivers 
are going to be something to keep your eye on. I think a lot, not that this is not going to be a hard and fast rule, but you're going to see a lot of teams who have high paid quarterbacks going with young receivers, young quarterbacks paying these receivers. It's yeah. going to be a weird NFL coming up. I think we just need to admit that, oh my God, we get better at producing athletes and wide receivers over time because we get better at knowing what works. Like, and as the game becomes more professional, as there's more money plowed into it, obviously the players are going to get better. It's like when, it, if you, I'm sorry, but the disc, it's basketball that really gets me with this kind of stuff. When you watch like the discussion between, who was it who got shunned from the top 75 of all time? Like Dame Lillard or something got shunned from the top 75 of all time. And they put some player from 1950 ahead of him where they weren't shooting threes and nobody could dunk and everybody was white. And it was just I like arguments over generational lines. Yeah. Like stop arguing who was better Kobe, MJ or, or LeBron. They all played at different times. Just stop. Yeah. It, it just, it's not, it's just not the same because we're, we're better at the sport. The sport is better than it was in 1980, but that doesn't mean that the players in 1980 wouldn't be better than the players today, but the players today are better than the people in 1980. And they're running it's four just, threes. Nobody, like, yeah. that, there's so many guys in the NFL that run four, three and four, four. They could have never seen that in the late, or in like the, even the late nineties. Yeah, but if you t- if you took those players from the late nineties, if you took an M- if you took those players and you taught them how to run the way that they teach these guys how to run now, if you give them the technology, the diet, all of that kind of stuff, they would be able to do that. So it, it it's a bit of a weird comparison, but wide receiver now is incredibly important, and that's why you stick Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, those guys up in the top echelons. How old's Debo Samuel's? He must be older than twenty five. Yeah, or he'd be on this list if he wanted. Yeah, yeah, must be twenty six. And if he's not, it's a tragedy. It's a travesty that he's not on this list. I'm going to check. I was about to have a break. I'm about to have a breakdown. Just so Tristan Wirf at number four. I really don't have a problem with offensive tackles are important. You can argue who your favorite under twenty five. If you like Slater better, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, I think both of these dudes uh, are really good and. Tristan's got a ring. That's got to count or something, right? Yeah, that's definitely, definitely. And he's been doing it for longer. He's Tom Brady's right-hand man. He's kind of, he's kind of what, he's one of the leaders on that offensive line that carried them to a Super Bowl. Um, He's really, really good. Like he, he is just incredible. He's going to be one of the best offensive linemen in this league for a very long time to come. It's the same with Rashawn Slayer. I'm not sure how those two have ended up this far apart. I think that's more of the issue with it rather than where either of them are picked. You could put either of them next to each other in either spot, but it just it makes a weird evaluation. It makes weird reading this list when you've got Tristan Worse and Rashawn Slayer aren't that far apart. You've got them, what, like 10 slots apart, even though they play the same position. I guess it's the old saying, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got that ring. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. Uh, Debo Samuels is 26 years old. I need more we go on this list. I need criteria. Like, what did they use? Because now that I'm thinking about it, if you're asking me, 
which one of these guys would I take moving forward or which guy is better player in the NFL right now? I would actually say Jonathan Taylor's more accomplished and a better player than Justin Herbert, but I would take Justin Herbert because he's a quarterback. He's shown a ton. His upside is huge. But the more I think about this, you're talking about the youngest player to ever reach 2,000 scrimmage yards in the NFL. Most consecutive 100 rushing uh, or yard rushing games, 1,800 rushing yards and 366 receiving yards just in 2021. He's 22 years old and he's had five yards of, um, from or five yards of play and 5.5, which is unheard of for a running back. So like production wise, he's given his team more, but in who do I want to build a franchise around? I would definitely take the quarterback and Justin Herbert to me is the best young quarterback in the NFL right now. So what's the criteria? That's what I needed to know. And yeah. they didn't give it to us, Maddie. They didn't mm -hmm. give it to us. Mm -hmm. Well, they'll have to explain it on their podcast, PFF daily or PFF overtime, whatever, whatever you guys, whichever you guys want to listen to. They're really good listens to. I really enjoy their podcast. It's an interesting way of thinking about the NFL and calling, uh, uh, calling, calling, uh, Collinsworth is kind of behind it as well. It, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. He started um, the whole thing. He owns it. He was just on Pat McAfee this week. Yeah, I and what I love is I love listening to the talking heads and ping like and people like Dan Alosky and Chris Sims who do a lot of their own eye and their own feel and then comparing those with PFF who do it off stats, value, that kind of stuff. I, I really enjoy that. Um the the weird thing for me about having Jonathan Taylor this high, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be this high. Because he is, he's probably the best running back in the NFL, um, outside of maybe Derrick Henry. And it you'd have to argue both ways on that one. And Christian McCaffrey, if he's not injured as well, and maybe Devin Cook. But he's in the top five running backs, at least in the NFL. He's also one of the youngest to do all of those things. He's also incredibly acclaimed. But in today's NFL, they don't draft running backs. So if you're doing a draft, you're just starting from the draft. They don't draft running backs until the end of the first, start of the second. And if you do draft one in the first, then you get absolutely tanked in grading system. And because, because of the way the NFL is. Yeah. the easiest position to transition from college so they don't waste high draft picks on them. Yeah. But you watch after next year, this kid's going to get paid. Yeah, it's, it's just the issue of because of the way that the NFL is, he's got all of these accolades, but he wasn't able to get the Colts over the line into, into, the, into the playoffs. Whereas if they had Justin Herbert, Wait, they would Justin have had more Herbert chance. Herbert couldn't get the Chargers to the promised land. Yeah, the Chargers are in a much tougher division than the Colts. Let's be real. The it was, uh, so on. you're saying that it's Jonathan Taylor's fault the Colts didn't get there, but it's no. not Justin Herbert's fault the Chargers didn't get there. No, 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 no. The Colts were in a position to win their division because of Jonathan Taylor. I'm not, I'm not railing the whole season on Jonathan Taylor, but just shows the value of the position a little bit that he the reason that they lost was because they have Carson Wentz at quarterback. 
Whereas if they had Justin Herbert quarterback, they probably would have got over the line. Justin Herbert has to play the Kansas City Chiefs twice, the Denver Broncos, who weren't amazing that season, last season at all, twice. And he has to play the Raiders, who seem to have a really good season twice as well. And yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying. You're making excuses for Justin Herbert, and you're using the same excuse against Jonathan Taylor. It's because he's a quarterback. It's because he's a quarterback, and quarterbacks touch the ball more often. It's quarterback-driven league. It it just is. And I'm not saying rail Jonathan Taylor miles down. No, but this is the first time in history of a football discussion somebody's blamed the the running back for the loss, but not the quarterback getting the quarterback a pass. Oh, it's no, it's not. No, it's not. If you listen to every talking head show, every single one, they do it all the time because they have to argue with each other. So so that's fine. Everybody always blames the quarterback, Maddie, but now all of a sudden it's not Justin Herbert's fault they didn't do better. Oh no, I am blaming I'm I'm blaming the quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts situation as well. Like Carson Wentz was the reason that they are wasn't Jonathan Taylor injured towards the end of the season as well. I'm seeming to remember. If he stays Not healthy, I remember, but yeah, I would argue if the Colts had or if the Chargers had Taylor over Austin Eckler, they make the playoffs. Austin Eckler was one of the best, got some of the best production in the NFL. And Jonathan Taylor's was even better. Yeah, so then he yeah, would have put so. the pressure off of the quarterback that let him down. Yeah, I think maybe if the Chargers were able to actually, I don't know what it is with the Chargers. I think I just think they're just an inherently can't get over the line organization, maybe. There is something <laughs> weird about I don't care how good your team or your coaches are, bad ownership leaks down mm-hmm. in through the fabric of everything. 100%. And I think that's the Chargers' fault. I think it's bad ownership. 100%. And Justin Herbert is one of the best, is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. This is going to sound stupid. I would take Justin Herbert over Burrow. So I'm not arguing that Justin Herbert's bad. I was just saying that as a production, I think Jonathan Taylor's proved more. Yeah. I know most per- people would take Burrow, but when I watch them two play, they're both great. They're both electric, but I just love the way Justin Herbert plays that game. There is something about him that I think is transparent or trans transcendent. And transcendently special. Like, I think he is going to be one of those players when it's said and done that we're talking about with maybe Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's... Justin Herbert has thrown for 9,000 yards in his two seasons in the NFL. That's that's pretty awesome numbers. Remember, the first season, there was no offensive line either, and he threw for 4,000 yards. He's also thrown 67 touchdowns and only has 25 interceptions. But if you look, a lot of quarterbacks throw 4,000 yards. How many running backs get 2,000 yards from the scrimmage? No, you're right. The quarterback is more important than the running back, though. Like, he is just more important. There's just no way that – there's no way that you can't – Right, so that's my argument. It's more important. So Justin Herbert deserves more blame for the losses of the – Chargers, then Jonathan Taylor should take blame for the Colts because he had them on the edge of going to the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Yeah, 
We look. Re- we, I'm checking the Chargers' record in comparing it to the Colts. Chargers' record. God, we've been been rubbish today. Oh, they went nine and eight. Imagine the Colts. Record. I think they went ten and seven, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I think they might have gone ten and seven as well. Uh, this shouldn't be this hard to find. Why was the Chargers so easy to find and the Colts is better? That's the difference with being in L- in LA. <laughs> right. You're at the top. You know of how Google to use the Google. internet a lot a lot better. What's going on? I'm just saying. I think the quarterback takes more of the uh, uh, blame for a loss than the running back, and I think Jonathan Taylor carried a team with an awful quarterback farther. They they both went nine and eight. Like they, okay. they, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, they must have—they must have been very similar. They both went nine and eight, and the Colts should have had four wins—a four-win head start. But Which then the Chargers got to play. No, not Jonathan Taylor. Oh no! What? Yeah. Do you know what we're doing here? We're arguing over split hairs of two absolute beings. Yeah, no, I absolutely know it. That's why players. I'm laughing this whole, this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when, when what we really should be saying is how Nick Bosa is no way the best player under 25. Yeah, I thought we established that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just so everybody knows, one. Nick Bosa is in, in the top five of my list. And then next I, year? Six. I think I move everybody up and put Nick Bosa's slot straight in at six. Well, then next year we'll have a lot of these rookies on this top list. So it'll be interesting to see who ages out of this list, who just gets bumped for production. That kind of thing. Yeah. Which 22-year-olds are going to stay on the list? Will Trevor Lawrence be there next season? Will Kyle Pitts be on the list next season? You know? Yeah. interesting to see. Will Malik Wills take that job from from (laughs) Ryan Tannehill? Well, that's because there's a report leaked, not that he said it, but one of his friends had leaked that after Tannehill said he won't mentor him, um, Malik looked at his buddy and said, now I'm coming for your job. Yeah. Good luck. Well, it doesn't matter. I like that attitude. I like that. Yeah, like, me too. Fire that kid up. If he's, if he's meant to be, it's great for the chargers. If he's not, then you still got Ryan Tannehill. Me too. But there'll be no starting rookie quarterbacks in week one this year. Not a single one. Mitch Trubisky will start over Kenny Pickett. In Maybe. That's the one I was going to say. There is a shot for um, Pickett because they've watched him because their practice facilities are connected, literally, yep. Pitt and the Steelers, so they've seen him. And it depends on, like, if Pickett, if they come out and they're even in training camp, it always goes to the first-round draft pick. So yeah, 100%. That's the I only place, though, that maybe, maybe, yeah, outside of maybe. injury – that a rookie quarterback's playing. Yeah. Is Matt Corral, is Matt, has Matt Corral got an injury issue or is he able to play? No, that might be, I think he's got a better chance. Matt Corral's got the best chance of starting week one. Yeah. Now that you say that, I was thinking um, you could see Atlanta, maybe. You could see maybe um, Carolina with yeah. a rookie quarterback and you could see maybe in Pittsburgh. So they're, they're like, I'm, you got, everybody's acting like Marcus Mariota is the next coming of something. And if your rookie quarterback is even close to what Mariota is, you just play him. Yeah. All I would say is 
Ritter's good qualities are his brain for the NFL and his and leadership. But Marcus Mariota's injured by week five. Well. Sorry? Mar- Mariota's injured by week five. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not Desmond Ritter, who's probably in Atlanta by week four, but he's not starting. Desmond Ritter is not starting in Atlanta week one. Matt Corral may start because of the impatience of the owner, but if they know what's good for them, they'll just sacrifice Sam Darnold for another year. And, and I'm then, not saying that you're wrong, but I do remember sitting back and everybody saying, Matt Flynn's the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. Did you see what they paid him? He's the Seahawks starting quarterback. In week one, Russell Wilson, third round draft pick, starting for the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, it does yeah. happen. Crazier shit has happened, right? Something so, like that would have to happen for Malik Willis to start over Ryan Tannehill. And Malik Willis is the one that might do that oh, kind of Russell Wilson thing might- because of the upside. I meant he might take the job throughout the year. I didn't mean start week one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't think he did. I would be, that would be fucking crazy. But yeah. Right. Kenny Pickett, I don't see Kenny Pickett starting over Mitch Trubisky. We, because why not just sacrifice? Like, I don't know. If you think you're going to win. Believe, Peyton Manning is a firm believer of you start right away but and take your lumps. But the Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes has shown other ways. It just depends what your philosophy is on a rookie quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger yeah. played as a rookie. I, I I don't mind them playing as a rookie, but just I would sacrifice your quarterback. Like if you're Carolina and you've already decided you're moving off Sam Darnold and you know you're probably not going to win or make the playoffs this year. Like like if Carolina is realistic, they'll go, yep, yeah, because we've got Tampa in our division – we're not going to win the division. The New Orleans are starting to look better. We probably won't get into the playoffs this year. If you take that mentality, then sacrifice Sam Darnold for four or five games and then see what Matt Corral's got. Like, rather than just, like, give them, play them in their rookie season. Because otherwise you end up like uh, John Love, who has probably got so many cobwebs, he doesn't actually know how to play football anymore. Yeah, and I don't know. I I play my fourth string receiver at quarterback before I play Sam Darnold, but that's just me. <laughs> I know, but if you don't think you're going to win, then you may as well sacrifice Sam Darnold. I, I I don't dislike Sam Darnold. I like him a lot less after this season. But... On the opposite side of the coin, though, if you know you're not going to win, shouldn't you just get him in there, let him learn, and take his lumps like they did with Justin Fields? Yeah. Yeah, the issue is the issue is then you get you get a David Carr situation then where they they've wow. taken so many fucking lumps that they're screwed. Like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But Carolina's uh, offensive line is a little bit better than that. But yes, I don't want my young quarterback getting killed. That was my fear with Davis Mills in the Texans. I thought they were yeah. getting him murdered. Do you want to hear a twenty-three-year-old that isn't on this list? Who's that? Jalen Hurts. Quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles managed to get them to a playoff. It's but big Burns play potential. And, and yeah, Burns is on that list. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I really don't know how they're grading it because Jalen's got a ton of potential. We just don't know if he'll ever reach it. They and, hate Jalen Hurts. PFF and hated won, him. And he plays the most important position. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is J- – Jalen Hurts is – should be in the top 25. Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones are missing, and they play the two top positions in 
Yeah, how they is play Matt Jones not in there? Yeah. Is like I, I'm not the biggest believer in Mac Jones either, but there's just some players in there that just play some positions but, where you're thinking, oh, that's if you I'm just for. take last year, who are you putting in there? Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones? It depends on what they're grading it on again, because we know that Trevor Lawrence is probably gonna could be better than Mac Jones could in terms be. of potential. But I watched Mac, Mac Jones. Jones yeah, I, yeah, I've watched Mac Jones, and and it's not like the Patriots had more weapons than the Jaguars, you know. Like there's still that shit shit offense that Tom Brady had to run away from his ancestral home for. Yeah, I just I, that makes me wonder even more what their criteria yeah. was. But I don't know. You guys, like let us know list. what you think. Are we missing any under 25 guys that should be on that list that Maddie and I didn't think about too? Let us know about that. I can't think of anybody else. I feel like the Chargers are really young. Asante Samuel. <laughs> I love that guy. But no. They are really young, but I think that if you went average age after this free agency, they probably jumped up a lot because of a lot of the free agents. But yeah, mm-hmm. most mostly across the board they're young yeah yeah there's definitely some players that are missing off that list i'm sorry eddie burns is no business being anywhere near it <laughs> yeah i like we like we said solid player solid like yeah, gonna be in the league for 10 years if he plays like that but yeah 100 but michael parsons is on that list and he's got 13 sacks and he's not being told to rush the passer all you know, I just, yeah, yeah. not sure. Jalen Hurts is better than him. <laughs> I'd take Jalen Hurts over Eddie Burns. There I'd take him go. over Quinton Williams as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well done, PFF. Thank you for giving us some content to talk about. Cheers. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with our grades and we'll talk more NFL news as it happens. And we'll probably have to talk about this next time. Jarvis Landry going back home. All right, guys. Yeah, Aaron Matthew as well. Yeah. All the Louisville, oh, Louisville, all the Louisiana boys getting back together. Will Odell Beckham end up in New Orleans? Who knows? Oh, there's a teaser. <laughs> one world, one love. Deuces. Cheerio.